Welcome to MTG Evolving Wild. My name's Mark. I'm Cody. And I'm Ron. Today, we're going to be talking about New Capenna, another set that has come out while we've been playing Magic uh, and has maybe had a different reception than uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which we talked on one of our last episodes about. Um, Speaking of about talking on our last episododes, should we talk about the fact that we're going to be at Magic Con Vegas? I we think we should. We should. I was actually going to get right into that. Um, by the time this episode comes out, I'm not sure if it's going to be before or after, but whenever it does, we either will be... Or will have just come from... <laughs> Ma- Magic Con Vegas, if that sentence makes sense. Anyways, yeah. Um, if this is before then, definitely, if you're going, come meet with us. We'll have special goodies to give out. We'll, uh, you know, want to play some commander games and hang out. If this is after, it was great meeting you. Um, we had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed the goodies. I, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the goodies. <laughs> and I hope no salt was had. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that one's the least likely of the predictions. But uh, Or... or- all the salt was had. We like drinking those delicious sodium tears. Oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the topic of today's episode. We're going to be talking about New Capenna. It was uh, Magic's 92nd expansion. It was released in April of 2022. So this one came out right after uh, Kamigawa, pretty much, which... Uh, we had previously talked about being one of our favorite sets ever, introducing amazing mechanics. And we also have a lot of love for this set. Maybe uh, not as strong as Kamigawa, but, you know, we, we see a lot of potential in this one. And we're just disappointed. We're not mad. <laughs> I'm not even that disappointed. I think from like a gameplay standpoint, the set is wonderful. Like, there's powerful cards, there's cards that kind of do what you want it to do. Um, You know, nothing incredibly broken, honestly, that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, But I think it fell a little short in some of the other aspects, like flavor and lore. Definitely. Right. I I would say this is definitely like, I'd probably call it like an average to a slightly above average set, in my opinion. I I like it. It's good. It was fun. I enjoyed drafting it. There are cool cards from it. And at the end of the day, yeah, you know, I'm happy that it's around. And I, but unfortunately, you know, I almost wish I had a little more to say about it. I think uh, it was a really fun set. And the drafting experience and the cards, uh, a lot of them are, are like a lot of fun playing the draft and a lot of the cards are maybe a little bit slept on. Uh, some of them are better. Some of them are worse than people might think. But, um, you know, they have uh, the sets filled with really good cards. And uh, honestly, I think it's like one of the most like, I don't know, if you're looking to buy magic cards and you want to get good ones, but you want to get cheap ones, like this is probably the set to buy from right now because like draft boxes are like under $70. Like that's almost unheard of from a modern release. I think we just saw the collector boosters were under 100 
Not under wow. 100. Uh, set boosters were like 80 or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. But collectors are like under 130, I think. Still, Still on the low end, for it's sure. extremely on the low end. And given right now the cards in the set don't have a lot of value, but I think, again, they're being slept on. They're all... I mean, there are a lot of really powerful cards, maybe not as many as other sets, but uh, definitely a lot of potential in it. Um, so this set takes place in a modern urban gangster kind of city inspired by 1920s america it feels like yeah a very sort of modern uh almost i don't know if sci-fi is the right word but a fantastical take on like the roaring 20s it's it's yeah whereas kamigawa was more like uh, you know, the distant past meets the distant future. New Capenna feels very, like, modern or, or as close to, like, a modern real-world set as we've gotten. Yeah. Like, there's the skyscrapers, there's, like, literal cars, like, even literal guns sometimes, like, little, like... Sort of. <laughs> sort of little electric blaster things. And, uh, but, but, yeah, no, like, you know, mech, titans or, or mech suits and also no like uh you know spirits from a spirit world or anything like that so slightly slightly more grounded in some sort of closer reality to ours um but yeah definitely has kind of an art deco vibe a lot of the special art cards really push into that art deco aesthetic and that is really cool to see on a magic card, like just that framing and everything and the foiling that comes with them. Yeah, it was a really unique sort of take that we haven't seen before. And I think there was a lot of hit or miss, but overall, really cool, especially those gilded foils. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The gilded foils with the art deco, like gold lines running up and down. Oh, them. yeah. No, I mean, I honestly loved the art and the theme of everything. Um, I, my main, you know, complaints come from like a flavor and lore feel of the set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the set is based around five different demon crime families, each of which occupy like a three color combination, uh, of like magic colors. And some of them like do not feel like they should be demon colors at all. Like, Absolutely. Blue, white, and green is a whole demon crime family of lawyers, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes, no, they're bankers, the I believe. Bankers. No, they're the lawyers. I thought they were the bankers. No, they could be both. Pretty sure. I think they're. I think they're lawyers. Pretty sure it's the lawyers. Either way, like goody two shoes demons, a little bit strange. Um, it, it's made even stranger by the, the color combination. Like white, green, blue are typically like the pacifists in, you know, magic lore. They're the good guys. You think of maybe like angels and knights in those colors. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting because while really you can take so many meaning off of an individual color because any color taken to an extreme can lead to a bad thing. You know, mono white can be Superman or mono white can be Elish Norn. Um, and I feel like in that same regard, you know, because white, uh, blue and green cares about an overall collective, you know, maybe it's taking that to an extreme. Uh, I think that was something in a, uh, the lore of Arcades uh, when he built his city, he kind of had 
had everyone, all the people worship him, but in turn, he built it into a great, but, you know, very conformist type society. Um, if I'm getting my lore correct. Still a little bit odd for demons. I agree, yeah. yeah. Bird, bird demon <laughs> When you think of demons, maker. you don't think of, like, conformity. Or when you think of demons, yeah, you don't really think of conformity or, like, order. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, and truthfully, like, the set probably could have benefited from, you know, less crime families and, like, you know, adding in some things like the police almost, you know, like, uh, you know, so like they could have been combating the families, um, you know, it would have they added could have even been corrupt police. Like that would have been interesting, but, but yeah, like I, I definitely see that. Like it, I don't want to say it feels lazy, but it almost feels like, all right, we need five factions. We need all of them to match a different three color combination. Uh, let's just make them all demons. Like, yeah, it, it, it almost does feel lazy is, is the like term I would use. It feels like they're stretching it. They're really stre- it almost feels like it's there because it needs to be there. I would uh, – so I, this might be jumping ahead a little bit to certain cards, but I would venture that um, this, like, sets theme, like the 1920s demon crime families and the three-colored tap lands, the triomes, like – Maybe those were both not intended to be released in the same set, but then they were just like, well, it's lining up. We might as well put them together. Like, I mean, I think that you could have still had all of this, you know, like you would have added more of like a, you know, um, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery type uh, feel to, you know, with like the untouchables Mm -hmm. or something in that vein. Um, and like the mechanic that you see on these, you know, white, blue, green, um, you know, like family cards even kind of lends itself towards more like the police and protecting, you know, they have Definitely. something called a shield counter, um, you know, like the badges, their shield. You could have totally, we're sitting here thinking of awesome ideas. Yeah. Not, not to say that these are like you know the worst ever but but yeah it does feel a little disjointed um the the story is really messy too like there's story spotlight cards which have like flavor text on them that don't appear in any of the stories it's a lot of jumping around there's a lot of characters that uh kind of go like almost unnoticed or there's a build up to them and then it never pays off and you know, but there's so clearly such a potential to this setting, to this theme, and they almost got right, I feel like. Except then they killed everyone off, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obnixilis came to town, and then people were dead, and then next they literally yeah. like i feel like the end of the story was like all right we're leaving bye yeah and, and i felt like the only reason why it even connected to lore at all was just elspeth yeah and it that that seemed like almost pushed in too well like, that and halo i would giada well, halo but yeah but, but they, it was all kind of tied back to elspeth's backstory oh yeah and like where we ended up with Elspeth, you can totally see that, yeah, this was just, you know, to, you know, like give credence to the power up that they were going to give her. 
Right, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but while I really like the whole angels and demons sort of vibe, I, I, I kind of like don't really like that you didn't get to see any presence of those angels at all until the very end in the story, and you have like a little bit of it in the mechanics. Yeah, there's, there's, God, in the whole set, I feel like there's probably less than like 10 angels and... I mean, in the set, it's also kind of said that angels are extinct on the plane or whatever. Right. But the plane really would have benefited from like a like blue, green, white angels tribe. Like that would have yeah. been very cool and would have fit so well into the set. And maybe they could have been, you know, struggling against the demon forces because their angel overbearers have left them or something like that. Definitely. So now they're kind of like your uh, rundown Jim Gordon type cops uh, in a hopeless sort of city of rats type of deal. This is why I say this set has so much potential because, like, we're sitting around here and just coming up with ideas and, like... I don't know. All of those ideas sound super exciting, but the way they went with it ultimately was just like, nah, we'll just make them all demons. Like, (laughs) ah, who cares? Um, So to kind of introduce the crime families um, and some of their like main mechanics, uh, we have the brokers, which is blue, white, and green. We mentioned kind of lawyers and their uh, special mechanic is shield counters which uh, puts this little counter on a creature, and if that creature ever dies, you take the counter off, and no, it didn't die. Yeah, and indestructible, uh, that only lasts for one use. Yeah, uh, it's a solid mechanic. It, it's it's pretty cool. I think it would fit a police force a bit better than it does a lawyer crime family, but... I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's like if you're broker in a deal, it says, all right, all right, you can't mess with uh, Tommy Two-Shoes over here. <laughs> Because we made a deal. Why know? is he called Two Shoes? Because I, I, he wears two shoes. I don't oh know. Why, would, why wouldn't he? Why else would he be called Two Shoes? And then um, I, I think this one might be Cody's favorite. It's the, or I guess it might be this or Maestro's, but Obscura is the other uh, crime family. They are black, white, blue. They deal with information exchanges and stuff like that, secrets very uh black blue center that happens to have white in there yeah yeah feels very cody um (laughs) and their main mechanic is connive which uh allows for additional card selection most of the time and potentially to make the creatures a little bit stronger as well yeah and uh to connive you have to sacrifice a creature no connive is uh you draw a card and then discard a card and if you discard it a land Mm -hmm. i think oh no if you discard discard a non-land right the creature gets plus one plus one you could even take advantage of your creatures being in the graveyard that you discard if you discard creatures or other sorts of things yeah no it's it's very card draw focused it's very uh like it it, it even has that aspect of white where it's making like the creatures stronger a little bit um so so it is kind of a good it's like to what extent uh you use the black and the blue to kind of gather the information Mm -hmm. and the white is to the extent you use it yeah that's a good point what do you think, Cody? Do you think that uh, Maestros or Obscura are more your favorite? Uh, Maestros, definitely. All right. Well, let's get into Maestros then. Uh, they're the Red, Black, and Blue Guild, and they make a lot of sense to be demons. Uh, those colors kind of work really well, actually, for demons in combinations, like the big bad guy colors, really. 
Which is so hilarious because they were essentially the good guys in this story. <laughs> How like, did he get literally? You're right. <laughs> uh, we we uh, agree that the, this gang should have probably been a red, uh, a, a different color. I believe, like red, green, white, kind of maestros. I believe uh, for the oh sorry that's for the riveteers. I'm sorry for the maestros okay. themselves. Yeah, I mean they're they're they still were, pretty cool. They were like yeah what the Very collectors. Cool. Um, like, I remember the yeah. Xander the collector was like yeah the I, I kind of like them because it felt like they focus in on extravagance sort of and and they they really honed in on that like high end life of like the 1920s. Like I don't know Xander almost f- was like my first experience with this set coming out when everyone was seeing this like what seven mana commander that has like a really strong effect and they were like losing their minds and ultimately it's kind of like a whatever card now but um still it kind of really set the theme of like okay like this is the sort of aesthetic we're going for and 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 i feel like he's almost like a poster child for the set yeah, I, I would kind of liken the family closer to, like, the Corleone family from, like, The Godfather. You know, like, it's more about, like, community protection, um, you know, while well, still being a crime family. on top in, in this. But that kind of gets to the next point, is their mechanic is casualty, which doesn't care about protecting the little guys. That just cares about benefiting the bigger picture, kind of. I know. It's like... The, Honestly, like the mechanics and the cards are fine. Like I, I enjoy all of them and I think that they're really, you know, great and like fit the colors and everything. I just like the story just drives me nuts on this because they like totally got everything wrong. It feels like story wise. <laughs> yeah. Um, the casualty mechanic says that I believe it's you. When you cast a spell, you can sacrifice a creature, and if you do, you can Instant copy or the effect. Um, yeah. Yes, you sacrifice the creature with uh, power um, equal to um, whatever the casualty cost is. So right. it's either casualty one, two. I think there's even bigger casualties, like five. Um, and you can sack multiple creatures to get to that number. Mm-hmm. Um, but And then it doubles the... Uh, you copied the spell. Yeah. So it's a way to get additional value for the spells you're playing, which feels like a red and blue thing, but at the cost of killing creatures, which feels like a very black thing. Right. Right on theme with the color pot. Definitely. I I think it's one of the better families. uh, Yeah. I think think it's the one color that I think fits the most with Demon Crime Lord family. I mean, the, you know, Esper, white, uh, blue, black also fits in pretty well. Yeah, I just think this one fits the most well, but well, definitely, you know, Grixis is the villains. It is, and it would even <laughs> if they had to pick one crime family demon boss color, this would be it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, next one is the Riveteers, which is red, green, and black. Um, this one's. They're like the teamsters. They're yeah, the union guys. The people building the buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, Boxing it's almost fights. Uh, it or seems something. like they're almost like a corrupt union type. Yeah, so, something along those lines. And they're Jimmy they're, Hoffa. <laughs> and their their mechanic is called Blitz, which, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it enters if you pay the Blitz cost rather than the regular cost. It enters with haste. And when it dies, you draw a card. 
Yes. Um, and then you have to sacrifice it at the end of the beginning of your end step. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, or maybe it doesn't necessarily draw a card, does no, it? No, it does. It does? Let me... And it doesn't even matter if it dies due to you sacrificing it or dies some other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean that feels very uh, green, black, and red. I mean very Jund sort of like death comes sort of in matters. fast, fast, dies. strong dies. Doesn't even matter if it dies; you're going to generate value off of it. This was, I think, Blitz was like when I was playing pre-release that that was like the the main strategy I was using was blitzing in creatures. Like they come in fast, they hit hard, they do something, and then they leave at the end of the turn. And when they leave, I get to draw a card. Yeah, great mechanic. It was really solid mechanic i think it really fits the colors well um because i mean it, the card is like speeding in which is very red the card's dying at the end of turn and drawing you a card which is very black and then like it's usually making like a creature that has some kind of like effect when it hits the board which is very green as well so kind of kind of hits all those colors it's a great mechanic um and the last, uh, the last demon family, uh, crime family, is the Cabaretti. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, what, all about the party life, I guess? Yes. They, they are the extravagant ones, really. They're like, just making a bunch of little guys, and uh, they care about citizen tokens, I know, right? Or, like, they j- just... Getting all the people to get the biggest of parties. The, yeah. The biggest yeah. biggest uh, parties, biggest, biggest dance feast. group, biggest fees. Lots like of they, tokens. Yeah. And I think out of this uh, set, the Cabaretti have one of the most interesting mechanics to me, which is the alliance mechanic, uh, which says, basically, whenever another creature enters the battlefield, it does something, which is so just good. Like, you can put that anywhere. It almost feels like, like, it fits the colors, I think, like... You know, the, yeah. those, all of the mechanics I feel like fit the colors. The, the mechanics fit, but I don't know about like the flavor of the actual like families themselves. That yeah. was always a little skewed. Like I always felt like I think we were discussing this, like the Cabaretti and the uh, also the black, green, uh, and red one as well. The Riveteers uh, yeah, could the have Riveteers. been sw- swapped, and that would have made sense. Yeah, yeah, that that could have even been done too. Like, it, it almost makes sense either way, but um, the mechanics line up really well. And out of all of these mechanics, I know um, because of various reasons, Connive was seeing a lot of play in a lot of, like, other formats, but... I feel like Alliance has the most like potential to just get like reprinted randomly in some completely different set. Oh, definitely. Just because it is so like generically like good and easy to write. Like like it just feels like it happens so easily. Like I mean, Knive will probably see a reprint on the mechanic as well. Um like both of those are probably the simplest, you know, mechanics to work into something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the crime families covered. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the standout cycles in the set that kind of, uh, caught a lot of our attention, especially probably more so when the set was coming out, uh, than now, but are still really, uh, really good. 
like the shard triumphs or the okay i mean triumphs are just generically good cards really <laughs> yeah they were just completing out the cycle that we saw in started in uh, icoria yeah was it icoria it I was yeah, it was it was icoria where that's why they're those. called triumphs because because the they were all the triumphs like, like uh in delta triumph and, and you know those, what yeah. i'm really upset that they didn't keep the name triumphs on the cards because now like they're all like I don't know something hideout headquarters, headquarters. Or hideouts. yeah uh, the uh, brokers hideout um, obscura storefront I think right no that's, that's the, the see that's the other land like they have uh, such forgettable names for these cards too I mean it, I, I I just know two of them I want to say I know Falco Sparrow's headquarters is just Sparrow's headquarters or I think it might just be Sparrow's headquarters yeah Sparrow's headquarters Cabaretti courtyard Zayatora's Proving Ground. Yeah. Zon- uh, right. Xander's Lounge. Yeah. And. What do we got? Rafine's Tower? Rafine's Tower, there. yes. Okay. Jetmere's Garden, did we say that? Oh, I thought it was Cabaret. No, Cabaret Courtyard. Courtyard is the other, that's yeah. the other one, yeah. Jetmere's Garden. They're yeah. all like named after the crime, like, lord, crime lord boss yes. of each of the factions, which is fine, but I feel like they could have had some kind of easier naming convention. Like, like really this set to me feels like it could have benefited so much more either by not needing every color combo to be demon families or not having to stick to the three color thing but they wanted to stick to the three color thing because these tri-colored lands needed like the cycle finished out or at the very least if you're gonna make so many naming conventions after these important characters at least keep those characters alive yeah or relevant memorable yeah yeah and um but yeah so i mean un- unquestionably these cards are really good these these three colored uh lands that uh have all three land types on them uh we've seen them in icoria before and some of the cards from icoria are almost hitting 20 dollars right now uh the most expensive triome from new capenna is like not even nine dollars rafine's tower not even jetmere's wow. garden what yeah because it i mean it makes sense that it would be a forest that yeah that's a good point no i just ha- happen to have the most of jetmere's garden <laughs> Same here. that's good that is good <laughs> no but like like yeah so i mean just right off the bat these like five three colored lands are like extremely good extremely undervalued like people are kind of sleeping on them and they're just solid cards so i mean there's not much question there that those are probably some of the best cards in the set definitely the best cycle in the set um really good for color fixing really good for card drawing a pinch like they're just good uh i guess the other cards that we had a cycle for the honestly i do find um some use for are like the charms the charms definitely have like their have uses. In, they have their uses sometimes. They're they're modal, right? Yeah, they yeah. have three different. They, they modes. kind of work like the Ravnica charms. Yeah, they they're definitely good. Uh, they're three of each color or one of each one color. Of e- one of one each for each family. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So they ultimately cost three, but yeah, they're they're still usable for sure. Um, 
the other cycles, I mean, probably most obviously the crime bosses. Oh, yeah. Each of the crime bosses, like, is their own color combination. The cat demon, the bird demon, the dragon <laughs> demon. What are we missing? Vampire uh, demon, sphinx demon. Yeah, that that's all yeah. five. Um, all of those are really good commanders. I can't think of one that's a bad commander. Maybe Falco Spara, the bird demon. No, I feel like there's it, a it lot. It requires a little building that. around, but like he's still a solid commander. Yeah, I feel like he's actually a potentially really cool commander. Um, but, We've definitely yeah. seen uh, the dragon demon Zayatora go off in one of Cody's decks. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> what? No, I, I would never play something degenerate like that. <laughs> But a, another kind of set like where where these cards are really solid and uh, maybe at the moment a little bit like overlooked, like really good cards that just I don't know that they're, they're not holding a lot of value right now for whatever reason. Maybe it's because of the story or because of the forgettableness of some of them. But there are some really solid ones. Um, another one of the, the cycles is the hideaway enchantments. Remember when those came out and oh, we were yeah. all excited about hideaway again? Because hideaway used to only be on uh, lands, and I believe it was like in hideaway, of- And it had to be changed so that they read hideaway four. Right. Because uh, now we have different hideaway numbers. Right, rather than the hideaway lands, which just let you look at the top however many cards put one of them uh exile one of them face down and then if you meet a certain requirement you can play it there was actually a, a creature that has hideaway too I'm, oh, I, I think it uh, appeared blue? in yeah i don't know what you're talking about can't think of the name or what it does but i know what you're talking about um but yeah in this set uh i know there was like the the boxing ring kind of that had hideaway um let's see there was uh, let me look this up. Oh, fight quick. fixing or something. Fight, fight rigging. That's what it was. Um, I put hide. Uh, nope. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, that cycle of effects was pretty uh, forgettable, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we haven't really used many of those. I almost used the green one one time. Um Let's see. We have the ascendancy cycle as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Riveteers is really the only one that you see in the wild. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't really had any experience playing with or against any of those. I remember people were getting all hyped for Broker's ascendancy, like uh, it puts a loyalty counter on each of your planeswalkers at end step and plus one counters on your creatures and people were all excited for that but that didn't really go anywhere uh bootlegger stash was a card that kind of didn't go anywhere yeah um I, I remember that one getting a lot of hype yeah bootlegger stash was like overpriced probably overhyped but it basically just did like green gets extra mana but for the 50th time so it wasn't like that crazy yeah and i also think everyone was starting to get sick of treasure tokens being a thing in standard as well yeah i think i think it was kind of like over costed in standard and in any other like in in commander it was like not exciting enough 
to to it's a win more card not a win the game card now if it was a red or a black card i think that would be a different story yeah it'd probably be crazy in red or black but because it was in green it's just like well we already kind of can do this in other ways in green um one of actually the most interesting cycles i saw was a it's like a weird mini cycle for Cabaretti specifically. So there's a red, a green, and a white card that do this weird thing where um, basically they have the um, alliance mechanic where uh, if it's the alliance trigger, it says like, okay, when a creature enters the battlefield, scry one. But on the second time the alliance trigger happens per turn, a different effect happens. And they made one white card, one red card, and one green card with that kind of effect. Oh, uh, is that... Um, it's Rumor Gatherer. Yep. Uh, Gala Greeters. No. Oh, okay. Um, Let me get it for you. I believe one of them is Sizzling Soloist. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Rumor Gatherer, for sure. One, Probably the one we mo- know, all know best, because card selection and then drawing is really yep. nice um, also ron likes to play flicker on occasion uh, yep. yeah or did i did um another one is actually venom connoisseur uh it says whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control venom connoisseur gains death touch until end of the turn if it's the second time this happens all creatures you control gain death touch until end of turn okay that's not terrible and then has yeah, its uses it definitely does and then the last one is sizzling soloist uh it's some guy playing a trombone on the art which is kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> and uh whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control target creature and opponent controls can't block this turn if it's the second time this ability has resolved that creature attacks during its controller's next combat phase of fable so um definitely the best one out of those three is rumor gatherer but i just think it's always cool like if they're kind of doing like mini cycles like that like they're not even like that special or crazy or anything like that but that just like theme kind of goes throughout all the colors which i like a lot um and then yeah there i think those are like mainly the cycles uh there's a few standout cards from the set that don't really fall into a particular cycle cody if you want to start us off here (laughs) oh you mean my favorite card ledger shredder yeah probably your favorite card from this whole set um it's additional card draw on your turn additional card draw on other people's turns although you do have to discard a card after you draw a card so it's more like card selection still lets you turn through the your deck and if you play anything with graveyard synergies you know you get to put the big beefy things that you want in the graveyard when you want them yep and then you just have a massive flying attacker and blocker which is just crazy good value that's true that's right i remember ledger shredder becoming like a big creature too like it started as just additional card value but then eventually it's like well there's like a six six flyer on the board and nobody has blockers for it that's right yeah punch in the face (laughs) definitely can impact a game uh halo fountain was uh another really cool card they introduced oh it's an awesome win con in white that like zeroes in on what white wants to already be doing it feels like making a bunch of little tokens and untapping them yeah it's a very fun card overall i feel 
we kind of touched on bootleggers stash already kind of just uh what you uh for each land that you tap or you can tap a land to make a treasure yep Mm -hmm. and uh basically just lets green get more mana and uh it already kind of does that so (laughs) doesn't need to do that again um Professional Facebreaker is oh, one that I know. So Ron, that's probably more Ron's <laughs> card to talk about. That, yeah, I love that card. It's an engine in its own right. I mean, it creates treasure tokens once it connects with a player, and you can also sacrifice an, an, a treasure token to exile a card from the top of your library and play it this turn. It's even better because it doesn't even have to connect with a player. It just attacks, right? It's just uh, an attack trigger? No, well, it's based on all of It gives all of your creatures... Um, Oh, right. If any of your creatures attack, I, I believe. Yeah, like, and different players, though. So, like... Yeah, it's either way, it's amazing in my Prosper deck where I can essentially, if I just even get one treasure token to get the whole chain started, I can just sacrifice a treasure and just keep it going and exile more and get more treasures. And, yeah, it's it's really fun. And um, I, I love that card. Definitely. Um there are definitely a lot of cards in this set that I would say are pretty solid, but there's one that I feel like I really need to talk about. Um, I, if anyone like really knows me, they know I hate counter spells, <laughs> like absolutely despise them. And I think there was like a stroke of genius in one of the counter spells that was printed in this set. Um, an offer you can't refuse is like a counter spell that I play in my only blue deck. And (laughs) like, it's just such a good card and it's so good at like not making your opponent upset either. I mean, I wouldn't always say that, but I will say it's the, it's a good flavorful card. It's a great flavorful card. You basically get to counter a non-creature spell and the person whose spell you countered gets to make two treasure tokens, which you can use to, uh cast something else pretty much right away um it's a it's a great strong card i i mean i love low cmc cards one mana to counter a spell great non-creature non-creature still great good enough (laughs) uh yeah good enough and just to like i don't know like yeah you get rid of the thing that needs getting rid of like somebody's about to drop like the game winning card if you can counter that but you still let the person who played that spell get something else out of their hand, like still play something else on their turn. And honestly, I would so much rather give someone two extra mana for like one occasion than to let them drop a game ender. Exactly. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you wouldn't be using this spell if whatever your counterspelling isn't going to be uh better than the treasures um another card that you know uh they printed was a praetor again because they were uh slowly building up all of these uh big bad guys uh over the course of the lore with these new sets introduced and uh this time it was urabrask i think we've had a a whole discussion in the past about why this particular Urabrask disappointed us so much. Look how they massacred my boy. (laughs) So much potential. Could have been so much better. But at the end of the day, at least we got to see him, I guess. It should have been three (laughs) mana. Should have. Um, Or four. No, three. Uh, But yeah, I think like, you know, on, on the cherry on top of this set being like 
lost potential was them making Urbrask such a weak card. Like Urbrask yeah. has always been a weak card. He has not always been a weak card because the most recent Urbrask they printed is actually very good. Okay, fine. But before, but up until that point, even then, while he was the weakest of the Praetors, at least he was a very usable card. Like, even in the Exile Matters decks that you would be using this um, Urobrask, they don't, there are better options that exist. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, there's just, he's meh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The, listen, uh, again, other Urobrasks, the first Urobrask, Giving all of your creatures haste and making all of your opponent's creatures entered tapped, extremely usable in the right decks. Extremely. Oh, definitely. I but I mean, like truthfully, like you, you know, I I feel like you would care less about you know, um, other uh, other opponents' creatures entering tapped, uh, and you care more about the haste. And they're in red. They have way better haste enablers yeah, for that kind of thing. It's like haste enabler plus minimal stacks stap like stapled together onto one body which i think is fine uh obviously the newest urobrask they printed which is just called urobrask uh great card great flip side turns around and becomes a crazy saga and absolutely or you card. just don't even care about the flip side because and the front is so good yes yeah. um this urobrask from new capenna is like undeniably the worst Praetor they have ever printed. Um, I, I, I don't know that we could say that because I can think of, I, I can't think of the names of these Praetors, but there oh. are. Oh. Praetor. <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. I meant the, out of the five the Phyrexian. Phyrexian monocolored Praetors, it plus Gix included because they made a pretty good Gix card. Like, Yes. This is... but He is the worst Phyrexian Praetor. You know what? I don't even know if he's wor if he's better than Eben Praetor. I think... I like the bunny art on Eben Praetor better. Okay, but there are very cool arts of this Urobrask. If you're judging it by art, I will fight for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the art is fine. I, I, I'm not in love with it, but the art is fine. I, I think the Eben Praetor art is better, but... I yeah, think the that, Eben, that, that art is just so I think the awesome. Eben, if, if you've never seen, and if you're listening in and you've never seen the Eben Praetor art, look up Eben Praetor Magic the Gathering card and just like, like send us something to tell us what your reaction was when you saw it, because it's not what you're expecting at all. My face won the Eben Praetor. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, tag yourself in, in, in that art, because I want to know. I think I might be uh, the one on the far left, but it's hard to tell. But yeah, <laughs> I think uh, like truthfully, like that's kind of most of the set wrapped up. Like, yeah, there are some like huge potentials uh, and some things that have done, been done really well, but a lot of things that we would have wanted to see differently. And again, if you're looking to like get a set get a pack or something with some really good cards in it. You're not trying to spend a lot of money should really look into new Capenna cards because there are some excellent options like in this set that are just great, but are really cheap right now. Um, what about your guys's final thoughts on this? Uh, you want to start Ron? 
Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's a it's a fun set, uh, a lot of cool flavor. Hopefully we'll get to revisit it and we'll get to see it a little bit more in depth, something as like we've seen with other planes that we visited. Uh, but until then, yeah, this will be uh, the start of a cool set. And think about it, you know, despite all of the cards and mechanics being a bit lackluster, the whole idea and concept of a set still feels somewhat relevant and still somewhat active. And we got to see them a bit in the whole March of Machines aftermath and uh, well not aftermath sorry uh, just uh, March of Machines and uh, yeah it, it was um, we'll, we'll see if we get to revisit and see kind of what happened after the big Phyrexian war um, yeah I mean I love the cards I love the mechanics I think that they're really on theme for the colors and you know fit really well uh, my only real complaint is that you know, the story and the lore of the world that they built was just lackluster and kind of ham-fisted, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, like, the mechanics that they wanted to do. Yeah. For me, like, this set feels like it just has all these pieces that are, like, such good little ideas that were just not put together well. Like, it feels like... Somebody put all of the ingredients for a cake into a bowl, mixed it around, and forgot to bake it. Like, (laughs) it's so... It has, like, great parts of it. Like, you know, the, the general setting is really cool. There's a lot to explore there. The cityscape, like, we haven't really seen that in Magic before. It's a cool vibe. The three colored factions, very cool to see for an additional time, like... It's been like however many uh, decades since we've last seen like what Alara with the three color stuff. Yeah. Um, three color shards at least. Um, getting to see that is amazing. Some of my, you know, the Alliance mechanic, I, I absolutely love that mechanic. I love when it's put anywhere. Like it's just so cool, but like they just didn't put it together the best. Like they, they, I don't know. Feels like a pizza with like too much ingredients on it that don't it work didn't together. Bake all the way. Yeah, I could have just used a few more minutes in the oven. Like they put like like chocolates and and candy canes on not a dessert pizza. Like well, I, I wouldn't say it's that bad. I, I'd say. I mean, I would. I like the chocolates. I like the chocolates and the candy canes. I love those. You don't just, want it on your pizza. I don't want it mixed with cheese and marinara sauce. Like. I might take it apart and say like, oh, this this thing is really good, but like the whole thing all together was kind of a bit of a mess. I don't know, jokes on you. I'm into that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, <you> Cody. <laughs> Buy <Bye>, Nukapenna. <laughs> no, but um I know in our Kamigawa episode we didn't do this, and this might be borrowing a little bit from other podcasts that I listen to, mainly the Resleavables, but I want to hear if you guys have a final, like, just grade one out of ten for this set. Seven. Damn, that's generous. Six or seven. I, I don't think it was bad. 6.3. It's, it's, like, mediocre-ish. It, you know, like, again, I like the cards. I like the mechanics. But overall, I think it's, like, mostly forgettable, um, you know. And... I, I don't know that I would, you know, necessarily welcome another story setting in the world just because of how, you know, ham-fisted the first one was, which brings me to another thing. 
Ham-fisted sounds like an uncard that I would totally be into. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Are you really into ham-fisting, Cody? Oh, God. <laughs> Cody would be. <laughs> I think I'm going to give this one a, a five, honestly. Like, oh, I, stinky. I, I don't think it's bad, but like if I, 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 w- I wouldn't give it like a three or anything like that. But it feels like they could have done better. They could have done worse, but it's pretty in the middle right there. Um, and I don't know. How about as a little bonus, since we didn't do this for the Kamigawa episode, for anyone who's listened to both, you guys want to do Kamigawa grades as well? Kamigawa got an 8.5. 8.5 from Ron. Um, I'm going to actually give it like a 9. It, it's a really solid set for me. Yeah. I, I was thinking about whether or not to give it a 10 and i don't know if i've played magic long enough to give it a 10 yet but i definitely give it a nine like i feel comfortable giving kamigawa a nine and this one a five i think i'd give uh, you know the the new kamigawa set a higher score if i was more into anime <laughs> that's fair well i think that pretty much wraps this episode up uh it was a lot of fun talking about this uh set even though we didn't always have the best things to say about it. But yeah, you know, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are about New Capenna, whether you thought it was a flop or a success, and whether you'd like to visit it again in Magic the Gathering. Yeah, have a you know wonderful uh, time. Yeah, reach out to us. Uh, let us know if it's uh, what you think. mtgevolvingwild at gmail.com or any of our socials. Feel free to reach out. We always want to hear from you guys. And with that, uh, we will talk to you later. Bye. Have a beautiful time. Bye. Goodbye.